1: Grace and peace to you, and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas, a church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for, and then find it to the full. And that's what Jesus promised in John 10, 10. We're in a new series right now called The Storyteller. It's part two of a message called The Worthless Servant. It's the parable of the talents where the servant maybe felt like he was cheated or victimized, or maybe not treated equally. The question is, have you ever felt that way? Today's word from Pastor Sean will encourage you to change the way we respond when we feel resentful so that God can grow us into his masterpiece. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free, but if you feel led to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give also right there at reallife.org. The parable of the talents is in Matthew 25, but Pastor Sean is going to pick up in Ephesians chapter 5. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: From Munanam James, he's one of the co-leaders of the Native Americans of New England, and he did this on the 29th National Day of Mourning, Thanksgiving Day, in 1998. He said this, he said, some will ask us, will you ever stop protesting? Someday we will stop protesting. We'll stop protesting when the merchants of Plymouth are no longer making millions of dollars off the blood of our slaughtered ancestors. Well, are you sure none of those merchants are Native American?" We will stop protesting when we can act as sovereign nations on our own land without the interference of the Bureau of Indian Affairs and what Sitting Bull called the favorite ration chiefs. When corporations stop polluting our mother, the earth, when racism has been eradicated, when the oppression of two-spirited people is a thing of the past, we will stop protesting when homeless people have homes and no child goes to bed hungry, when police brutality no longer exists in communities of color, We will stop protesting when Leonard Peltier and Mumia Abu Jamal and the Puerto Rican independistas and all the political prisoners are free. Until then, the struggle will continue. In other words, we're never going to stop protesting. Because, folks, people are sinful. the Bible makes it crystal clear. And what started as protesting and remembering one offense is now piled on. And as long as we live in a world full of sinful and offensive people, Every day, every year on Thanksgiving, instead of being thankful, there will be people who will remember all the injustices that they and others have suffered. See, the problem is we live in a sinful world full of injustice. Listen carefully here. If any of us, and I want you to hear this, if any of us go back far enough in our own history, we'll find ancestors who were victims of injustice. And then we will find ourselves entitled to resentment. I mean, for example, if you go back to the, in the history of England, it's a story of conquest and assimilation. The Romans conquered the Britons. The Anglo-Saxons, which were North European Germanic tribes, conquered the Roman Britons. The Viking invasions took over large parts of Great Britain from the Anglo-Saxons. The history of the UK is literally a patchwork of conquest and assimilation, as is the history of so many nations around the world. The U.S. is no different. I mean, when we stop and think about, it, do we really think Native Americans kind of sprung up from the ground here and always lived here? I mean, no, they emigrated from Asia. As they formed into tribes, they fought with each other for territory and resources. Some tribes were assimilated into others as they were defeated. Some went extinct. Some grew stronger and more dominant. Actually, the history of the Comanche tribe is really fascinating because of the way they grew to dominance over other tribes through a technology they acquired from the Spaniards. You know what that was? The horse. The horse they utilized the horse earlier and better than others and they grew to dominance because of that Of course, europeans came along and they were At the time the most technologically advanced tribe to come See all these and other conquests from around the world involve violence They involve torture they involve slavery and other serious injustice Sadly, this is what it means to live in a fallen sinful world and the point is if you want to define yourself by offense or by slight you can find a reason if you're here and your ancestors suffered under the injustice of slavery in the united states you have a choice to make while many voices will call for you to define yourself by a historical injustice i'd invite you to choose instead the life-giving perspective of gratitude Your ancestors truly did experience a horrible injustice. But because of their suffering, you grew up in one of the greatest centers of prosperity and opportunity in world history. You enjoyed access to resources, education, opportunity that others around the world only dream of. You might have been spared apartheid in South Africa or famine in Somalia, the genocide in Rwanda, or even the present-day terror of Boko Haram in North Africa. See, we all have a choice to make, don't we? Any one of us can find a reason to be resentful, I promise you. Maybe your parents favored a sibling. Maybe you were passed over for scholarship or promotion, only to see it go to someone with less talent and who didn't work as hard as you did. Maybe you've been ignored, disregarded, or shut out. You have a choice to make. We all can find reasons for resentment. But they are never helpful, and they always close our eyes to the gifts and opportunities right in front of us. Listen to this passage, 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. Listen, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You know, that call was made to Christians under the Roman Empire. They'd been persecuted, they'd been dispersed, And they were entering into an age when they would end up in the Colosseum being executed for entertainment. Give thanks in all circumstances for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. See, here's the thing. God has given you gifts, talents, and opportunities. Every person in here. He has given you gifts, talents, and opportunities. And my question is, what are you doing with them? Because that's what this story is about. God has given us the gift of life. He's given us gifts, talents, and opportunities. What are you doing with them? Ephesians chapter 5, 15 and 16 says this. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Notice the contrast. Careful versus careless. Unwise versus wise. Be careful how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of what? Every opportunity. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. In other words, we live in a broken, fallen world, but God has given opportunities. God has given gifts. He's given talents. Make the most of them. What are you doing with the gifts, talents, and opportunities he's given you? And if you would honestly look at that and say, you know, probably not as much as I could, what's holding you back? Maybe it is resentment. Are you resentful? A slight, an offense, something you weren't given, something you felt you should have been given? Maybe it's fear. Remember that one servant said, Master, I thought this about you, and so I was afraid. Maybe fear is holding you back. Fear is crippling people in our culture. Might be fear of failure. Might be fear of, well, what if, what if it doesn't turn out the way I wanted? Maybe fear of someone else. What will people think? I don't know. Is fear holding you back? How about insecurity? How about maybe you will, will stipulate. I'll stipulate that I have gifts, talents, and opportunities, but not many. I mean, everybody else has more. Maybe insecurity is keeping you from actually stepping out and saying, you know what? No, I'm going to make the most of what God has given me. What about laziness? Dude, this just got ugly, Sean. That's just rude. No, well, th- think about laziness, because that's, G- that's what Jesus said, the master said of the servant, you slothful servant. What about laziness i mean we talk about laziness i, I want to suggest that laziness is one of those things where i know there's people who who we go wow they're lazy they won't do anything or or you know maybe you think of yourself maybe you've been told or you think of yourself as, yeah i kind of just do enough to get by because i'm lazy i want to suggest to you um i've seen things absolutely change in a lazy person when all of a sudden the right motivation or inspiration comes along motivation inspiration the, the right kind of motivation i've seen i've seen lazy people supposedly lazy people do work unbelievably hard at certain things like like at not working it's like well you know you ever known somebody who like my gosh they're genius they're like a savant at not working how do they do it how do they pull it off you only, at first you're ticked off but then you almost admire them. i'm like wow the creativity the the flair you know i mean i've, I've known you know guys who, who don't work much or won't Work much and that you know they live in their parents' house or something, but but they become this like international sensation at a video game. <laughs> it's like they're highly skilled, well versed, educated in this game, and it's like they're through the roof. That's that's what I'm talking about. They have motivation to play a game, haven't yet found motivation to do something with their gifts, talents, and opportunities. And I just want to say, if you kind of are here, maybe you go, you know, I kind of wondered, I I think I'm a little lazy or I'm whatever. I I want to challenge you to start praying. Lord, I want your inspiration. I want your motivation. Lord, I want you to kind of show me possibilities. Because I've seen people go from kind of lazy to, wow, look at what they're accomplishing. Look at what's happening. Look at the movement and the momentum, the good fruit that's happening because of inspiration and motivation. Pretty powerful stuff.
1: And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church. In this message called The Worthless Servant, the series is called The Storyteller, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. Series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit
0: filled life.
2: I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit.
1: Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message The Worthless Servant. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio.
2: See, a focus on what you don't have will always distort your view of what you do have. And that worthless servant didn't see or appreciate what he had been given. Second thing, the worthless servant didn't understand his master's business. The worthless servant didn't understand his master's business. This is significant. I mean, simple principles like you reap what you sow, right? The simple principle of investing, okay? You reap what you sow. The other two servants clearly understood what the master's assignment was, and they knew how to carry it out. And I can only assume Jesus is implying this servant should have too. But he didn't. They understood the assignment, and they understood how to carry it out. They understood the goal is to multiply what they had been given for the master's purpose. Multiply the things we've been given. Make the most of them. Multiply them for the master's purpose. Well, what's our master's purpose? What's our master's purpose? What, what is our life purpose? We understand our master's business. We call ourselves followers of Jesus Christ, call ourselves Christians. We know what our master's business is so that we can be one of those first two servants who successfully takes what they have, multiply it according to the master's purpose. 1 John 4, 9 through 11, beautiful verse. that gives us a picture. It says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. It's one of God's primary purposes. Loving us through Jesus Christ so that we might live in him. He created us for life. Jesus called it abundant life, but it's found in him. So that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we've loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the substitution for our sins, the payment for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Do you know our master's business is life and love? Life and love. God loved us. He sent Jesus Christ to pay the penalty for our sins and give us life so that we could truly live life. And so that we could be filled with his spirit and his presence and then share his love with others. That's our master's business. That's the business we're supposed to be about. And you're like, well, okay, that's cool, but like I work at a construction company, so what do I do with that? I want want you to stop and think, whatever you do, kind of the majority of your week, and I'm not just talking about your work, but include your work in it, your profession, and your family, and your hobbies, and all the stuff you do. What if we saw all those as a place, a platform to launch the mission that God has given us? What if instead of saying, well, I don't have time to kind of be about life and love of God, the life of Jesus and the love of God, because I've got like a job, Sean. I mean, it's great that you can do this. you got the one-day-a-week gig. That's great, but i got a real job. What if, some some of you are laughing too hard. That wasn't that funny. (laughs) I have to do way more than this. Like, I have to make these copies and stuff, and it's really hard. What if your job... What if you, every single day, what if your customers provide you an opportunity to share the life of God and to show the love of Jesus, just to love people? What, what if your, your vendors who serve your business, what, what about your team members who you work with, your employees, your employer, what if, what if those people are literally there and an opportunity for you to show love of Jesus? That doesn't mean you're not doing your job. No, you're doing your job, but in the course of just interacting with people, in the course of life, that... That place that God's planted you becomes a platform for you to share the mission and the purpose of God through your work. What if your neighborhood, your family, your kids' sports teams, all the places we interact, the restaurants we eat, what if every one of them is an opportunity for us to display our master's purpose and to multiply the resources he's given us in sharing his life by sharing his love? I mean, think about that. God has given you gifts for a reason. Do you know what that reason is? Do you know what that reason is? I love this verse, Ephesians two ten. Very simple verse that says, "We are God's handiwork." Another translation said, "Workmanship." Another one said, "Masterpiece." We are God's handiwork. His workmanship. His masterpiece. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It, you have been uniquely gifted for amazing purpose. You are God's masterpiece. Do you, do you understand how, how amazingly, wonderfully you've been made and that you are a masterpiece? And I, some of you right now looking at me like, look, dude, I looked in the mirror earlier. No, I didn't see masterpiece. Mm, I don't know. That's not... Mm. That's because you've been taught by culture to look with the wrong set of eyes, to look with faulty eyes. You don't see the wonder... Of a human being created in God's image with the capacity to be filled with His Spirit, gifted to share His love. You don't understand the masterpiece that that is. The crowning achievement of God's creation, the one piece that He said, This we will make in our own image. And He created the male and female in His image. And why? created in Christ Jesus to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. Do you know what that is? That's destiny. You were created and gifted with everything you need for a destiny. It involves changing the world with God's grace and his love. He gave you gifts for a reason. When you begin to walk in that and understand your place and your purpose in that, it's life-changing. There's a certain joy in working in alignment with God's principles and god's purposes there really is there's a joy when you begin to to kind of see even at your work or in your home or wherever it is when you begin to see i'm kind of starting to work in line with god's gifts his talents his call his purpose it's it's like you hit your groove it's like something inside you it's like you hit your stride you know, I described it in my own life that it felt like I was swimming against the current. Like I'm in a river and I'm swimming against the current, swimming against the current. And all of a sudden, when I began to follow the Lord's leadership in a way that was different and followed him into the calling that he had for me, it was like I just stopped swimming against the stream and I just went with the stream. And now I was swimming with him instead of against him. It's a powerful understanding. There's something unbelievably joyful. You notice he said, "He said, enter into the master's joy there is a joy in serving in partnership with him and i would say the opposite is true of serving apart from him there's an emptiness of serving self and serving in the flesh there really is there's an emptiness i don't care how successful you are i grew up around some very wealthy people i mean uber wealthy growing up playing polo you meet a lot of people who are just you know like the kind you read about okay just really, really wealthy people. And I'm not saying everybody. This is not a blanket statement about everybody. But these, these are people, I will tell you what is kind of a blanket statement about all these people that I'm referring to, is that they had everything that the world says is awesome. And just quite frankly, a lot of it was awesome. Okay, Some of the cars, wow. Okay, Just like I, I read about that, I never thought I'd see one. The homes and just estates, gorgeous, incredible. You know, not in nice neighborhoods. These aren't in neighborhoods, okay? These are estates, okay? And just some, some of the places, and I knew some of these people somewhat personally. It was in their homes. And to see these people who they have freedom, like you and I can't even imagine, they can do whatever they want. Hey, next weekend, you want to fly to Europe? Okay, let's go. All right, I'm gonna grab my bag. You know, and it's just that kind of access, And you go, wow, you have everything the world says. You should be the happiest person in the world. And um, many of them were not. Many of them were not. In fact, many of them were miserable people committed to making others miserable as well. And it's like, why? You have everything. Well, I'll tell you because... um, there is only one thing that will resonate the kind of joy and life fulfillment that you were created with, and that is working in cooperation with the Spirit of God, working with your Creator, in with the gifts that He's given you it, for the purpose that He made you. And there's something of a joy and a freedom that comes. I'm not saying, I'm, I am not saying there's any, that it's bad to earn money. It's not bad to, to have success. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying to whatever degree you are outside of that place of using your God-given talents and abilities for your God-given purpose in partnership with your creator, you're going to be missing out on joy and fulfillment. See, so a focus on what you don't have will always distort your view of what you do have. And last thing. This is the most tragic. This is what the story's all about. The worthless servant didn't know his master. The worthless servant didn't know his master. What's so striking about that story, the part that you're supposed to scratch your head on, and I've seen, sadly, too many of us just pass over this part, is that he totally misrepresented his master's heart. He totally misrepresented his master's intention because he didn't know him. He didn't know him. And so I want to say, I want to ask you, how do you see God? How do you see God? And I can tell some of you are looking at me like, well, we're in church church on a Sunday morning, so we've got to be kind of upward on the scale, right? Kind of higher on the curve. Sadly, not necessarily, because a lot of people think... You know, I go to church and I'm kind of gonna, gonna appease God and I'm gonna you know get my nod to God and kind of then He's gonna bless my business all week so it's all good and kind of we got God and I have this deal. You know He scratches my back, I scratch His back and we're all good. You know, that's a messed up view of God. <clears throat> that's a messed up view of the love of God. How do you see God? Do you see Him angry? Do you see Him vengeful? Do you see Him loving? Do you see Him? compassionate. Do you see him just? Do you see him merciful? How do you see him? This question, how you answer this question is the most important thing in life. How you see God. And the worthless servant wasted his life, made his life worthless because he didn't know his master. First John 4, 7, 8. I love this passage. Beloved, let us love one another. We're like, okay, I got that. For love is from God. Whoever loves God has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love anyone who doesn't love doesn't know god because that's who he is he is love and it all springs from having an intimate relationship with him walking in communion with him you will never realize your god-given potential apart from knowing him you were created for a purpose and you might do some cool things you might have some success in life But you will never realize your full potential as a creation of God if you don't know Him. That's why the Apostle Paul said this, Philippians 3, beginning at verse 8. He says, Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For His sake I've suffered the loss of all things, and I count them as rubbish, as garbage. Everything else. If I'm comparing it, putting it on a scale, it's like it's garbage. In order that I may gain Christ." And be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which comes through faith in christ the righteousness from god that depends on faith that i may know him in the power of his resurrection the passion of these words that i may know him in the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings becoming like him in his death that's a pretty intense desire to know him i'll share in his sufferings i'll become like him in his death that by any means possible, I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. See, the key to making the most of your talent and your opportunities is knowing and growing in your Creator's love.
1: That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message called The Worthless Servant in the series The Storyteller, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page.